within policing. There are lots of those very similar shared values um, around, you know, doing the right thing, just getting on with the job. Um, you know, whatever is thrown at you, you just crack on and get the job done. We might whinge along the way, uh, and, and we all do that, let's face it. But um, I, I've found very similar attitudes, and as I say, the ethos is similar. And, and I have to say, as a police and crime commissioner, I do pretty much, as I, as I, I, I tried to do as a soldier, Whenever I get the opportunity, you know, I'll call into the crew room and just have a chat with with the 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 cops. My name is Johnny Ball, and I'm the founder of Campaign Force, a not for profit that inspires, trains, and coaches the armed forces community to stand up and serve again. I've served on the front line of military operations, and in civilian life, the front line of UK politics. This Veterans in Politics podcast is a set of interviews brought to you by Campaign Force and sets out to explore how the military community can help make our politics a better place. I lean into my little black book of contacts and sit down with individuals from across the world of politics, sharing secrets, giving tips and advice and inspiring the next generation. We are Campaign Force. This is the Veterans in Politics podcast. Let's introduce you to our guest. We close out this third season with one of the most senior veterans in politics, former Corps Colonel of the Royal Logistic Corps, Peter McCall. Peter is one of the country's police and crime commissioners representing Cumbria. You'll soon find out in this episode what a great fit this role is for veterans. We'd like to thank Company X Consulting for their support in this episode. It's time for you to meet our guest. It's amazing to be able to sit down with Peter McCall, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Cumbria. Peter, how are you? It's good to catch up again. Yeah, great, great to see and speak, Johnny. Um, I'm good. I mean, since we last spoke, we've been through yet another election. So I can now count myself a veteran, having done two. Um, certainly wouldn't claim to be an expert. Um, and uh but now a few months in and like like all of these things and a bit like military experience, once once you get into the post, you've really just got to get on with it. Uh, so life's busy, uh, and, and which is probably the, the best way, to be honest. So lot, lots, lots on, lots to do. So I guess really this is your second career, having had was it a 34 year career in the armed forces. Um, yeah. So what what I mean what were the good bad and the and the ugly parts of that lengthy military service would you say Well I guess um now being sort of 5 years out of the military I've probably got those rose tinted glasses um looking back uh, and and I think I think that increases as you get older actually because I look back on my military career I mean I I I joined on a 3 year short service commission and when I joined I had every intention of leaving after 3 years um but I never got round to it because there was always something else more interesting uh more exciting to do and on offer and and I kind of found found that throughout my career um of course there were you know those there are low points for everybody um you know those disappointing moments when you weren't on that promotion list or i do remember as as a uh, as an officer commanding when i was commanding my squadron in germany 
um, not initially being deployed to Bosnia when that was the thing. And of course, as, a, as a, and, and many people will, will sort of identify with this, when, when you're in your command appointment, at whatever level it might be, you want to go and do the business, do the stuff that you're trained with, and we weren't we weren't on the list initially. As as it and and there was that was one of those moments where actually disappointing for me, but also for my soldiers. Um, and it was one of those times when you really do just have to get a grip of yourself and soldier on. Uh, and, and as it turned out, um, that decision changed quite shortly thereafter. Um, so, but, but, but that aside, um, I, I would say I had a fantastic career. I loved every minute of it. I miss uh the i mean and, and and this sounds corny i miss the camaraderie i miss that common sense of purpose uh to an extent uh although there does come a point and and i guess you know now at the age of 61 you have to recognize that it, it is a young person's game uh running around the, the ulu um but I look back on it really fondly and I see it as a fantastic preparation ground for the kind of work that I'm doing now. So, so we're not to see you around the um, the hills of Cumbria with a Bergen on your back at the moment. No, it's just uh, you've hung up the Bergen. It's a very, it's a very lightweight North Face rucksack. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you. Um, I think you join a brace of colonels now in politics. We've got Colonel Bob Stewart, of course, in Parliament, uh, who's just been joined by Colonel James Sunderland. And I think I know you're... Oh, you know James well, of course, same cat badge. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're probably the most senior veteran outside of Parliament in you're serving as a police and crime commissioner. But it has been a role that has attracted military candidates in the past uh, when it was set up in the first place. Why do you think it seems to attract those with a military background, would you say? Well, I, I guess law and order and the military, you know, they're not a million miles apart. Actually, I, I mean, I always viewed part of what we did in the military, almost uh, certainly in peacekeeping, peace enforcing. It's all it's a pseudo policing role anyway. Um, so there are similarities. But I think the other significant similarity is, is in terms of ethos and values. Uh, and I, I, I find that within policing, there are lots of those very similar shared values um, around, you know, doing the right thing, just getting on with the job. Um, you know, whatever is thrown at you, you just crack on and get the job done. We might whinge along the way uh, and, and we all do that. Let's face it. But um, I, I found very similar attitudes. And as I say, the ethos is similar. And, and I have to say, as a police and crime commissioner, I do pretty much as I, as I, I, I tried to do as a soldier. Whenever I get the opportunity, you know, I'll call into the crew room and just have a chat with, with the 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 cops um uh, apart from anything else that's how you find out what's really going on uh, and get an understanding so there's lots of similarities 
similarly, at the other end of the, of the business, working with um, the Home Office, with government, there's again, there's lots of similarity in terms of, you know, debates over the budget and fighting those corners, getting getting grants and so on. Uh, so there, there is lots of similarity um and and so i can see why for for many it's a it, it it's it's not a massive jump to come into this kind of job but the other and this is something that is quite different from serving in the military as a police and crime commissioner you really do have the ability to make decisions allocate resource real resource um and hopefully see a difference whereas in the military there was always another you know senior sort of um uh stage to go through and and for big money there was always ministerial sign-off um as police and crown commissioner you're it you make the decision uh and you you live or, or die by them as it were that that must have been a really interesting cultural change for you from having going from the military to having that freedom. And um, what was that transition like from being Colonel Peter to now Mr. Peter McCall PCC? And what was that selection journey like from being, from transitioning out of the military to being one of a political candidate? What was, was there a bit of a culture change? How did you have to ad- adapt to that yourself? Do you know, there is a massive difference there. And that is that, when you're serving in the military, um, people, I, I would say the general public really do value our military, quite rightly. Um, and there's a lot of respect, I think, for, for what our uniformed folk do, uh, which is absolutely right and proper. And and even today, I think, um, you know, whether, whether, to be honest, whether whether you're corporal or colonel, people respect the handle. In fact, Often folk would say to me, oh, is a colonel higher than a corporal? You know, <laughs> and actually these days, why would they know the difference? Um, and, and actually, I often said, no, actually, <laughs> the corporal is probably more important. Um, but there was and is, I think, still that um, sense of uh, value of, of military service. Very, very different, though, in the political world. Um, and I think we we live in a world where I'm not convinced that people do really un, uh, often they don't understand what people in the political world do. Uh, they they often don't value it. Um, there is this perception that anyone in politics is out for themselves and and, and what have you. Um, and that's been quite a change. Um, I think it's probably far, far worse for for colleagues who go into Parliament, um, because as a police and crime commissioner, although clearly you're an elected representative, um, the party politics isn't so important. I mean, it, it plays a large part during the election process. And frankly, that's when the things I'm talking about are at their most unpleasant, if I'm honest. Um, but in on a day-to-day basis, party politics comes into the job very, very infrequently. Um, but that is a significant difference, and you do have to be robust enough to cope with that. But frankly, if you've if you've gone through a military career, then you know that sort of thing is a, is a bit 
water off a duck's back. And the great thing is, coming into it later in life, as it were, um, as, as a you know post-military career thing, I, I actually do make the point quite often. I haven't come into this as a career because I've had my career. I, I've come into it because I think I can add something to it. Um, and and if you don't like the way I do it, well, fine, don't vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess, yeah. What kind of job interview has that? If you know, if you don't like it, don't vote for me. But um, yeah, how I know from when we spoke before that you don't strike me as someone that necessarily signs up for that whole punch and Judy politics, you know, back and forth side of it, but it's part of the game. How have you adjusted to that culture, knowing that actually your role, as you've just described, tends to be more apolitical than other areas of politics? How have you had to test and adjust, particularly at times of election? Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to be, I mean, it's, it's very easy to get drawn into it. Um, and, you know, there are, I work with people who try to, to provoke that all the time. Um, and ju- just occasionally the patience slips. You know, I do a lot of counting to 10. Um, and uh, But I find that actually being competent, you know, trying to be competent and focusing on the job, on delivery, um, helps enormously. I, I know, I mean, I've, I've had people, who, you know, lab- labour councillors, have said, well, actually, I reluctantly voted for you because because I think you're the right person for the job, and I think that's more important. And I, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't name them because they, it would be embarrassing for them. But um, I, I take that as 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 um, you know, vindication of the way I've tried to do the job. But there are times. There's no question about it. You know. In terms of values, uh, there are times when, you know, I am a conservative and, uh, you know, I do believe in um, promoting conservative values. Uh, uh, But the reality is a bit like military work. um, Those political ideologies rarely come up in the day to day business of policing and crime. Because actually, they're, they're not. They're, you know, it's it's not a political issue. Where it where it tends to raise its head is is in terms of priorities, um, and 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 where you allocate resource. And sometimes that's a conflict. And of course, people then play the party political card at that point. But I try, I do try and rise above it. I try desperately not to get drawn into, as you say, the punch and Judy thing. Because I just don't think it, I think it's quite negative and it doesn't go anywhere. Um, and, 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 and frankly, I'm prepared to listen to anyone. And if, if, if a person from the Lib Dems or the Labour councillor comes up with a great idea, well, actually, I'm, I'm up for that. Um, and and it, often I think they're slightly surprised that, that we work together. Um, it, 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 is it, it's an issue manifest probably mostly at the police and crime panel, which is the scrutiny panel that scrutinizes me. Um, and that's because that that's a platform for local councillors uh, 
Um, and I understand it, you know, the, it's the political game. They've got to get their name in the paper. They've got to be seen to be playing their political role. Um, and that can be, become a bit tedious. But the, the, the secret there, I believe, is making sure you're on top of your brief. Um, making sure you know what you're talking about, you've got the detail, because they rarely do. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, you know, I think you're from the, the your military background, particularly having operated at senior level under different governments as well, um, in MOD main building with ministers, civil servants. I think our community lends itself well for that transition of working cross party because we just have to get on with it, with the mission. So this is why I'm such a huge flag waver for veterans in politics and indeed why I do the show and and obviously why I've started up Campaign Force. But I guess one political issue at the moment that has rocked our world and our community is Afghanistan. And you have studied academically and practiced anti-terrorism in your career and now there you are working within the the policing environment what impact do you think that arguably a more dangerous world that we live in today as chronicled in places like the the drawdown of afghanistan has and will continue to have in policing areas such as yours and perhaps more widely across the uk yeah i i i mean i i i I share everyone's frustration i think that effectively we've seen 20 years worth of um effort in in afghanistan in particular um completely reversed or at least that's how it appears to us today i mean i I do think that every single um person of all nations who've served there need to remember that they've they've made a massive contribution at that time and in that context um the world does change and as we've as i mean you know northern ireland which is where where i did a, a lot of stuff um is is a world apart from where it was 20 years ago i mean it's it still has its difficulties um but it really has moved on. And we wouldn't have foreseen that when we were there, you know, in in force, as it were, um, post the late 60s. And I think uh, and hope that we we might just be saying something similar about Afghanistan. Um, But the one thing I have learned, you know, human nature doesn't change. Um, those with deep-seated ideologies change very, very slowly. Um, and that's the same the world over. And of course, in Afghanistan, we, you know, it has a very long history um, of, of, of this sort of turbulence and turmoil. Um, my my concern, and 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 it, it's shared, you know, right across government. I know, and certainly within policing, the immediate concern is, you know, what the ramifications are for terrorism, um, you know, here in UK and, and and elsewhere. And I think the lesson that we all have to learn is that we can never take for granted that it won't happen on our doorstep. And it would be very easy for us here in sleepy Cumbria, as as it's often viewed, um, 
why would we worry about that here, here in, 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 you know, remote northern Cumbria? Well, actually, we have a very open coastline, very easy to access. Um, we have had, uh, during my tenure, um, several quite serious terrorist threats. The great thing is that our intelligence services um, are second to none. The experience that our intelligence people, and, and of course you know more about this than me, um, as a result of, of Afghanistan is incredible. Our uh, technology as well, uh, with GCHQ and, 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 and the rest of it, in, in, in increasing improvement of the National Crime Agency and its interoperability with the intelligence and defence agencies. I think we're we're in a better and better place to deal with that, but it's a very real threat, I, I believe, uh, and we have to adopt the, the attitude that it could happen at any time and, the, um, and we are under threat. And I think that's the lesson we just have to keep relearning from history and, for, and from both you know, long-term historical past and also Afghanistan. So I, I don't think our experience in Afghanistan is a waste at all. Um, who knows, the, the Taliban, the, the regime there might just, might just, and let's hope it does, Adopt. I mean, it's it, adopt a different frame uh, as as it as it develops, because the reality is, if the West were were to have stayed, the Taliban weren't going anywhere. You know, they were always just waiting to re-emerge, um, and for us to perpetuate what we were doing, I suppose you know it had to come to an end sometime. Um, and maybe, just maybe, the best way is is to to let that country develop in at its own pace. I think in the West, often we we do see democracy and our form of democracy as being the, the way ahead. Um, <laughs> you could argue that one all day long, um, but it's taken us a long time to get to where we are. Uh, and uh, so forcing the pace in a place like Afghanistan clearly doesn't work because it's been tried several times. We've tried, the Russians have tried, we've been there before. Um, so it is, but it's really difficult. And, you know, and having had soldiers um, killed there, it, 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 it's, it, it's a really poignant thing for us all. Uh, and I fully, you know, I, I, I can't imagine what it must be like to be a parent or, or a husband or wife of somebody who, you know, was killed or seriously wounded out there to, to, to feel that it was for nothing. And I think what I'd say to them is, I don't think it was for nothing. I, th I think there was purpose. We were doing what we thought was the right thing at the time. And only time and 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 you know the future will tell what what the impact of it is but it it, it gives us incredibly live lessons for today uh, and 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 the key one is we've got to continue to be extremely vigilant yeah and i think you've drawn out an interesting comparison to northern ireland there i, I was in northern ireland when the good friday agreement was signed as a young 18 year old private soldier and 
I think what we did see there, however, was a slightly more controlled withdrawal from that security situation that we haven't seen in Afghanistan. But it does, even though, as we know, it isn't all plain sailing in Northern Ireland today, but it does give us a glimmer of hope that we you can extract yourselves from difficult situations in terms of a military presence on the ground. But we've obviously got a long way to go with Northern Ireland. And the other important message there, Peter, is what you said uh, directly talking to us as a community uh, about that experience and about our narrative as we all come to terms with whatever that is. And therefore, I think it's really important to have people like you in politics um, at every level, whether that be in Parliament. And we've seen the performances of Dan Jarvis, Johnny Mercer, Tom Tugendhat, and others that have that direct experience. And it just gives us a, a far greater clarity in what is quite a confusing time. Um, yeah. but, but I've named, I've named some of those and I've name checked you as well as being one of those veterans in politics. What would you say to some of our listeners who might be sat here thinking today, do you know what? I'd, I'd love to work with, I'd love to scrutinize Peter on that panel as a, as a local government councillor or, I'd love to be in parliament or I'd love to be a police and crime commissioner. What would you say to them about their skills and experiences that make them suitable candidates to be a veteran in politics? Well, I certainly wouldn't want them scrutinizing me because they probably do it properly. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd say to anyone who is, and, 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 you know, I was always vaguely interested in politics but of course like all of us serving never actively engaged and i'd say one you don't need to be a long-term political activist um actually in some ways it's better in my view if 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 you're not it's for me it's about having a passion to just you know you see something that's wrong or you think you've got a better idea well i'll tell you what get off your backside, get stuck in. Because if you don't, some other clown will. Um, (laughs) That's exactly what I've been saying lately, actually. (laughs) And and trust me, there are plenty of them on all all sides of the political spectrum. Um, And actually, as as a veteran, as a soldier, indeed sailors and airmen as well, um, of course, You've got really valuable experience at all levels, uh, with all trades, um, and most of all, dealing with people and getting things done. And politics, I think, should be about just getting things done, uh, making a difference, making a change, moving things on. And that's what we in the military community are good at. it can be a bit daunting. I, I, I was totally new to the whole business of elections and all the rest of it. To be honest, I hadn't got a scooby-doo about that. But there are plenty of people around who get you through that process. That's where the activists and, and, the, and, and, and the folk who've been engaged long term really come into their own. And there is, as you know, again, better, better than me, there is a real science to all of that. Um, but as the candidate, you don't necessarily need to need to understand all of that. Just be just be open to taking and, and hearing the advice. But I'd say get stuck in, do it. You know, uh, as as a veteran, you may well have a, a pension. And, and to be honest, you know, let's be perfectly honest about it. For me, it was it's far less risky. You know, having a pension. So, uh, and you can kind of take the attitude um, that. 
I'm going to do this job and I'll do it my way. And if you don't like it, lump it. Don't, you know, don't, just don't vote for me because it's not a career. And I think that makes you much more potent because you're not worried about what the party line might be. You are prepared to say what you think about things. I fall out with the Home Office often. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't follow a party line. I don't take a whip. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and as a, as a police and crime commissioner, it's much easier to do that than it would be for a member of parliament. I, I, but um, I'd say to folk, get stuck in because we all have a responsibility to contribute where we can. Uh, and I think military veterans, whether you've done five years, 15 or 35, you've got a lot to offer from your military background um, the, the, and, and the folk that you've served with as well. Um, and the key one is knowing how to deal with, work with and for people. I can't top that advice. Peter McCall, Police and Crime Commissioner of Cumbria, a veteran in politics. Thank you so much. And let's catch up soon. Thank you, Johnny. Great to see you. Company X Consulting Limited are a consultancy company specialising in the provision of skills such as programme, project and portfolio management, information insurance and cyber services. We offer full transitional support to the veterans and service leavers community. We are currently recruiting. To find out more about our business, please visit our website at www.cxc-ltd.com or check out our LinkedIn at Company X Consulting Limited. Thanks to our guests and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe now. Alternatively, you can support our mission by checking out in the show notes below where you can rate, donate or become our mate. Thank you.